Hello, welcome to Follow the Weekend. Uh, a bit of a special for you uh, this this day. Uh, my name's John, with me is Mike. In the past, Mike, we've tried to cover the ladies' team here on the podcast, not just focus ourselves on, on, the, on the first team. And it's been quite an interesting tale for them. Yes, but I think it's been quite difficult, I think it's been fair to say. Um, it was great news that they got into the WSL2, uh, which was uh, which was credit to the club in itself, because I think there's, a, there's plenty of hoops to run through to get into that. Understandably, we found it very difficult. We probably made a, may have spoke to Harry Kuehl or the under-23s about what they uh, what it's like to, uh, to get those sort of results, because they did lose a few. Um, but I don't think that was unexpected, because as we've seen, as most people will have seen, the ladies' game has, has exploded. There's been a big um, influx of uh, professional players. They've been coming from, from Europe and uh, from America so getting the best talent for, a, for an unestablished team has proved quite tricky for Watford and I think there's been a fairly high turnover of, of staff for whatever reason so yeah it's been it's been tricky but this is Watford we don't like to do things the easy way and as we all know you have to earn your right to play earn the right to be uh, at the top level so yeah it's been um, it's been interesting and uh, the good thing about it is there's always been something happening. They've just started their spring series, which isn't a proper season, it's like an extended pre-season for the ladies. Uh, and I went and uh, spoke with their, their new manager. Before that, I had a chat with uh, our friend Kieran Tavum, who is the host of the Women's Soccer Zone podcast, which is a dedicated podcast to women's football. He's a man who knows about ladies football and we try to get a, I try to get a better idea of what Watford and how we're sitting in the world of women's football here in England. A podcast made by Watford fans fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. So, Kieran, uh, Watford are in the FA Women's Super League 2. There are only two. Is that a big thing? Is it the equivalent of being in the Championship? I guess that's that's a fair assessment. Yeah, I, I would say that it's probably a, the equivalent of the Championship. The, the FA WSL 1... Uh, is obviously the the top division in England and and has your bigger clubs such as your Arsenal's, your Man City's, and your Chelsea's, and they're the teams that are leading the way in terms of investment, in terms of offering the best facilities, and in terms of offering the best opportunities for development in the women's game. But Watford, as you say, second division FA Women's Super League Two. They've been in that division now for a few years since they entered uh, the competition when it was introduced as a second division. Obviously, they used to play, well, obvious to me, but maybe not obvious to others, they used to play in the, the FA Women's Premier League National Division. So, yeah, it's it's the equivalent of the championship. So, sitting just below the top division, there is promotion and relegation that exists between the, the two divisions now. So, Watford's hope, obviously, sometime in the future is to join those elite clubs that we mentioned in WSL1. But what, what is the gap? I mean, we talk about, you know, when you look at the, the men's Premier League and the men's championship, there is a gap, but actually there are a lot of big, let's, with want of a better word, big clubs in, in the championship. Is there a big difference between WSL 1 and WSL 2? Do you know what? It's a hard question because the WSL 2 is only a couple of years old, so we're still trying to figure that out and it's going to become difficult because the season structure is due to change from September where it will move to a more traditional September to May competition whereas for the last couple of years it's been uh, running during the summer the the honest answer is yes there is a big gap uh, I think any club that's going up from WSL to unless they are willing to invest a lot of money uh, and a lot of resource into their women's club it's going to be difficult for that team to be able to compete with the clubs that I've already mentioned, your Arsenals, your Man Cities, your Chelsea's, your Liverpool's. Um, the opportunity maybe to compete with the likes of the Sunderland ladies who are uh, have reverted to a part-time 
structure, whereas the other clubs that I've mentioned offer a full-time professional environment for the teams. They may be the clubs, the Sunderlands and, and the Yeovils that have just gone up. Uh, Yeovil and Bristol City have just been promoted from WSL2. They may be the clubs that Watford would be able to to try and compete with. But yes, the gap is is large and it's going to be interesting to see how Yeovil and Bristol City, who've just been promoted, how they compete with those teams uh, in the top division. So they've just been promoted uh, and if Watford <clears throat> were to be promoted, did, did they do anything major different to Watford, Yeovil and, and, and Bristol? Did they invest huge amounts of money to be able to make that leap? Or if Watford wanted to do that leap, is it just about being better at what you do, let's say, in this in this division? Or, or does it take a, a, an investment, do you think? I wouldn't say Yeovil and Bristol have invested huge amounts of money. I think they've just done things properly. They They have great people working behind the scenes. They have very good structures in place. Uh, I know the coach for Yeovil Town Ladies very well, a guy called Jamie Sherwood, and he's very invested in that team. He's bought in players that he knows, uh, Welsh international players who don't necessarily command uh, high wages, but have a lot of experience at international level. Bristol City have a very good core of young players. They've always been run very well. Uh, they used to be known as Bristol Academy. They're now under the umbrella of Bristol City Football Club and, and got rebranded as Bristol City Women. Uh, and they, they are very, very well-run clubs, um, not just because of the association they have with the men's teams, but they are very well run by the staff and the volunteers that are associated with the women's teams. And if Watford want to be getting promoted and they want to be competing for promotion in WSL2, then those are the sorts of things they need to be looking at themselves. And you you just said there about um, retaining players and, and, and you know getting in good quality players. For my <clears throat> limited following, let's say of Watford ladies on 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 their website, on on Twitter, and what what have you over the last couple of years, we haven't done any haven't done a visit on from the Wickham down to see them play for a while. Um, <clears throat> they've had a huge turnaround. Uh, it seems to be of, of players. Is that common? Let's say um, for for this turnaround, is there is there no sort of uh, do they do, do, do women technically sign with their clubs long term? I guess the difficulty with with the women's game is that the money involved is is not always particularly high, and in some cases there's no money at all, and that makes it very difficult for for women's players to to commit long term. They have to fit their football schedule around full time jobs, around studying, and and that makes things very difficult for any kind of commitment. And yes, you're right. Watford have gone through a huge transition over the last few years when they're in the National Premier League uh, before the WSL launch. They finished runners-up to Sunderland Ladies, who are now a WSL1 club. The team that finished runners-up, I can tell you, I don't think there's a single player in that squad that is now with the current team. Uh, There may be players that were in the reserves or what is now known as the the development team. But that whole side has now gone on to pastures new. And what Watford have now is is a very young squad, uh, a new head coach in Keith Bonus, who I'm sure you'll ask me about shortly. Uh, and they now have to try and find a way to gel those players together to be able to produce results on the field so that they, uh, come September when the new season starts, are pushing for promotion. But I think it's going to be a work in progress. It does seem that, yeah, that, that way that, you know, new, new coach, lots of new players, you know, I, I, we are they're in the the beginnings of what it's called. The, is it the spring series? Which is yeah. So the spring series is essentially a mini competition that is being run to try and fill the gap between the transition of the summer league that we have been commonly known uh, to see for the women's super league over the last few years, 
uh, going back to the to the more traditional September to May that we all see run alongside the men's season. So over the last few years, the FA Women's Super League has run between uh, beginning of April and the end of October, stroke beginning of November. To fill the gap with the season going back to its more traditional calendar, they are running this spring series that started in February, will run until, I think, end of May, beginning of June. And the teams in that division, there's 10 teams in the WSL2, they will all play each other once this season. Uh, so they'll play nine games. They're not playing home and away. They will play nine games and the, the home and away games will be divided. Um, and you, you talk about Keith. What, what can we expect from him? You know, who, who is he? What's, what's he done before? He's a, a, an extremely qualified coach and highly respected in the women's game. It was, it's a real coup for, for Watford ladies to, to be able to obtain his services. He, uh, in, the, in the 2000s, was manager of a very successful Charlton Athletic women's team who, 10 years ago, were one of the bigger teams in women's football when, uh, when Charlton Athletic were, were a Premier League side and a, and a, a decent championship side. They paid a lot of attention to their women's team. They had internationals in their side. They were competing for trophies. They got to FA Cup finals. They were one of the teams that were able to push Arsenal ladies in the in the domestic competition in the in the league. Um, so he's highly respected. He then left Charlton, and he's been up until now very very influential in the development of football in Estonia. He was the head coach of Estonia for eight or nine years. Uh, oversaw not just the national team, but right down to grassroots, trying to get young girls in, involved in the game, uh, looking at things right from the under-17s right up to the, the senior side. Um, and I think he kind of felt that he'd achieved what he wanted to achieve and, and left that role towards the end of last year. And uh, Keith's had to be patient, you know, despite the, the reputation that he has and the respect that he has in the women's game. There's not a lot of jobs going at the moment. And uh, the Watford job was one that I know he was keen on. I know that the interview went well, and, and that's why they were were able to to recruit him into the position. But Keith can only do so much with the resource that he's got available. So I know it's going to be a tough job for him, but I know that he'll give it his all. And, and I've spoken to him a couple of times since he took the job on, and, and he's very invested in it and, and wants to try and produce the best that he can. We're going to speak to him now. Um, but before we do, uh, before you go, uh, Kieran, uh, wh- where uh, can we uh, listen to your your women's soccer uh, knowledge on a on a uh, on a more ongoing basis? <laughs> well, my basic knowledge can be can be listened to on on iTunes. Uh, there's also a, a website, womenssoccerzone.com, on iTunes. If you just search for Women's Soccer Zone, uh, you can listen to a lot of women's football chat, not just about stuff going on in England, but globally as well. We have a lot of players that come on and, and speak to us from from all over the world. So uh, have a look at that, womenssoccerzone.com or Women's Soccer Zone on iTunes. <laughs> Thank you very much to Kieran uh, for sharing his vast knowledge uh, of the ladies' game. And do, do try and check out uh, Women's Soccer Zone on iTunes uh, and uh, on the website, womenssoccerzone.com. Um, yeah, the ladies' game is, is something I don't know a lot about, but uh, Kieran certainly is uh, a good guide uh, to what goes on uh, and some really interesting uh, one-on-one chats with uh, some, some big in the ladies' game, uh, professional uh, players. Uh, so next, we're going to chat to Keith Bonas, the, the new Watford manager. Kieran's told us a lot about him and what he's done before, uh, but let's sort of try and find out uh, where Watford are at the moment uh, and what he plans for the spring series. The series has already started. Watford are two games into it. And when I spoke to Keith, I asked how those two games had gone. Yeah, they, they were kind of two twist arounds, really. I think the first one, obviously, was the first game after only two training sessions, two short training sessions. So absolutely nothing about 
half of the players and how they were going to play. And we obviously went, we'd, we'd recruited one or two players uh, that we felt were decent enough, but they hadn't played with the other girls. So it was really a fact-finding mission. And the first half was just that. It was, you know, what are we working with? How do they play in a match? We hadn't seen them play. Uh, and it took until that, that half-time interval in that game to kind of start to recognise things. And, and we made a couple of adjustments, obviously, at half-time. Then conceded another goal early, which could have resulted in us getting uh, getting beaten heavily. But to be fair, the girls responded tremendously. And and what was strange was for the last, I think, 25 minutes, we dominated the game, uh, even physically. Uh, we were fitter than them. We looked fitter than them, which was strange. And we could have actually won that one. Moving on to the, the next game, and there was obviously a break in between. Uh, so we had a couple more training sessions, a couple more opportunities to get it right. Um, we'd had the, the friendly on the Wednesday where we'd drawn 1-1 with a Canadian team uh, at Kings Langley, which is the first chance to see how that field played. Um, the pitch was pretty sticky, um, but we obviously went into the, to the game uh, a little bit more confident, a little bit better prepared. I think we deservedly took the lead, albeit with a penalty. Then the second goal early in the second half uh, was a good goal from a, from a set piece again, which is always pleasing. And it's something that I, I use a lot. I, I work a lot on set pieces. Um, but we got killed with a sucker punch straight after that goal. Obviously, innovative play from the, the Bees player that hit the goal from the, the kickoff. And our keeper wasn't switched on to that. Uh, and the girls' heads went down a little bit. Um, so it let them straight back into the game. I think if we'd have held that 2-0 for a period of time, that we'd have won that game. Uh, and eventually, you know, they... They, they broke us down and, and they got a couple more scrappy goals later in the game, although we had other chances as well. So, uh, And in all honesty, I'm not a, a moaner of officials, but the referee uh, should have should have red-carded the girl in the penalty in the first half and the same girl committed quite a harsh foul in the second half and should have got a second yellow for the yellow that she'd received. And those things do change games. But, but all in all, you know, the girl's attitude and response and work ethic I've been entirely happy with, um, but we know we need a few more players. And, and the girls know that. They know that we're looking. But the challenge for them at the moment is to try and show that you know they're not going to let those new players come in and take their places that easily. And I think they're doing their best to do that. Because you're in this, this thing called the Spring Series, which is, it, it feels like anyway, like a really overly extended pre-season. Uh, where yeah, it is you, you, you've got a little bit, let's say, I don't say less pressure, because you've got to sort things out still, and you've got quite a job, as Kieran sort of says, quite a job with yeah, with a turnaround yeah. that, that, that the ladies' team have had. What what do you want from this spring series? Well, I think on the first meeting I had with the players, which was obviously a depleted squad, was that look, there's there's a lot of work to do. There's a rebuilding process, but the luxury is that it is this spring series, and there is no relegation or promotion. So it is more about looking for performance levels. Uh, reuniting the team, bringing in new players, bonding them as quickly as possible and using it exactly as you've just said, as, a, as a, an extended pre-season to knit something together uh, and be ready to go hopefully into the winter season and, and do ourselves justice. Now, we kind of believe we're on the right track. We haven't been able to get as many players as we would have liked. We're still working on that, but we've got a lot of interest um, for the winter season because girls will be out of contract in between and a lot of girls in, in the one league below us will be uh, will be able to depart clubs without any kind of animosity and 
because myself and my assistant are both quite well known. Uh, we've got a lot of contacts and a lot of players know the way we work. As I said, we've had a lot of interest expressed. They're kind of they're kind of watching this space to see what we do in the meantime to see if we can settle the club down. Uh, and at the moment, most of the vibes have been pretty positive. And how does that work in the ladies' team? Do you know, I'm, I'm assuming you don't have lots of agents badgering you on the phone or you having to call people. How, how does that sort of, for you, no, they, what, what has to happen? They do exist, agents. They are they are sneaking into women's football. Um, you know, we had one approaches about one of the players, but basically said, "I'm not I'm not willing to entertain him." And if you know, if you want to use that avenue, then then we won't we won't talk because it's. It's, it's just ridiculous. There's not enough money in the game to warrant that, except maybe in, you know, the top half of WSL one, where there are players from overseas coming with Olympic medals and World Cup winners medals. But in our league and and certainly the ones underneath, there's there are smaller contractual situations where players are paid expenses or some money, um, so they have to make sure that, you know, they they can sign for one or two years. So if you want to go in for those players. They could essentially ask for a small fee, but it would have to be a really small fee, or or you just have to complete an official transfer situation. Underneath our league, i.e. in the what's called the FA Women's Premier League, we have to just put in what's called a seven-day approach. So if we're interested in a player, we have to notify that club um, that we want to put in a seven-day approach. Uh, I might speak to the head coach there and say that we're really interested in speaking to this player. By putting that seven-day approach notification in, we we shouldn't speak to them for that seven days. It gives that club that window to try and dissuade them from leaving and uh, and put them off coming coming across to another club. So they get that little opportunity to do that. Because yeah, yeah, it seems like a, a, what you call a fair system at least. Yeah, yeah. You, you say you've worked worked across the the, the women's game, um, both uh, both here. Uh, in England and also internationally, have you have you seen massive changes, uh, you know, or, or let's say pro- progression in the last, you know, especially since that that, that Olympic Games uh, here in London? I think the, the growth of the game is evident because you know now you have got the WSL. The, the bottom line is that only started almost the, the time that I went over to Estonia, and uh, I'm not 100 percent sure it's working the way it should have worked. It's obviously raised the profile and. and I think the Olympics when it was here and certainly the English team winning the bronze medal in Canada gave it a massive boost and created interest. And I know this week is the launch of the the next stage, if you like. It's going to be announced, I think, at Wembley either this week or early next week, the next part of the strategy to, to boost the women's and girls' game and increase participation even further. Um, the WSL situation is, is worrying to me with the top three sides obviously bringing in the likes of uh, Swiss internationals, German internationals, Korean internationals, you know, World Cup winners from the USA. They're not coming for peanuts. Some of those are on quite extortionate salaries. Obviously nothing in comparison to the men's game, but as far as the women's game is concerned, they are, you're talking about six-figure sums wow. uh, for, an, uh, for an annual. You know, this is annually, not weekly yeah. as in the men's, but even that annually, you know, you know, my wife was a, obviously a top player in her day and, and she had to pay a tenner a week when she started playing. So <laughs> uh, it, it's moved on in that respect that some women can make somewhat of a profession of it and and I think can certainly link it in into a, what's called a semi-professional status where they can earn some money and 
do other jobs alongside it. So it's certainly moved forward to that extent. And the TV exposure is obviously paramount. I mean, I've just switched on on the red button on BBC where the England women's team are now playing France over in the States. That's just kicked off. So that kind of exposure is always important. A normal football fan would say you're in the, the championship um, and trying to get up into the top division of the Premier League. Um, does it take a lot? Because, you know, when Watford were in the, in the championship, when the Pozzos sort of came over, they brought a lot of big players in. Um, they were having, they did lots of changes with how the club was run as well. Uh, and then finally, after a few seasons, we, we got that promotion uh, to the Premier League. How far, how, is, is it a big gap, do you think, from Watford being a WSL 2 to becoming a WSL 1? I'd be doubting my own ability if I thought that. <laughs> in all honesty, I, I think there's enough English talent or, or British talent, and I'd even say English talent, in, in the women's game through the uh, what are called the RTCs of development um, processes to put together a team that's more than capable of winning promotion. More than capable of winning promotion. There's, there's, there's tons of young talent in this country. You know, the trick is knitting them together, getting them into the same side and then coaching them to the right level. I believe I'm firmly capable of doing that. I've done it in the past. I, I did it at Charlton. Uh, you know, we were always up against the, the all-conquering Arsenal team and then Fulham when they brought over five Norwegian internationals. But we still managed to compete with that and we developed players through our own system as well. Yes, we, we, uh, we brought in players from other clubs because they heard that we were we were running a good club and that the training was good and we had a good team ethos. So we, we attracted players from other clubs like Enio Raluco and, and Farrah Williams and people like that that came from Chelsea and Birmingham in those times. But we also produced 24 youngsters from our own system that, that went on to play first-team football and some of them went on to be international players. So the development process underneath is, is actually, I won't say it's easier, but it's more viable in the women's game than it is in the men's game. They've got more chance of breaking through than some of the lads have, obviously, at academies. You know what the percentages are there. You know, it's 1% if you're lucky. But in the women's game, it's more than you know, you're more than able to, to develop players that can play in a higher level. You've got some games still to go. I think you've got seven left in this in this spring series. Um, when's yeah. the next uh, home game? We were due to be away this weekend. Everything that was postponed. So we're at home the following week to uh, to Durham. What what is it about you know if you had to if I had to get, put the pressure on you now and you got to sell the ladies game to me, what what why do you think it's a good thing for for what for fans to come and, and see the ladies uh, team down at Kings Langley? In all honesty, I think it, you know I kind of make it my job to whichever club I'm working for, and, and obviously you know I was working for another country that that I try and instil into my players that you know they are wearing that club shirt and and they should play for that club with pride and wear that shirt with pride. And, and I, I make sure the girls know that when they go out on the pitch that they are representing Watford Football Club. You know, we did quite a talk in the dressing room before the game on, on Sunday and, and we had a huddle in the dressing room and outside and it was about being proud and and wearing the badge with pride and, and no matter if a handful of supporters come, that we show them that it matters that we are representing Watford Football Club. You know, the fact they call them the Golden Girls, I think all of that kind of stuff is is relevant and it is a different game there's no good hiding that fact it's it's obviously it's never going to be as as physical as the men's game but it has become more physical but technically it can be just as much uh such just as entertaining to watch uh, and just as challenging and it is competitive and it's different you know it is a cliche but you don't see the amount of dramatization that you do sometimes in the men's game you don't see the, the diving you don't see the 
the more cynical things, it, it's more of a, I wouldn't say it's more friendly, it's just, it's a different game to watch. And if you watch it for its own strengths, then you, you can get something out of it. Because still, they still play some good football. And we've got a terrific young player, this under-19, uh, Renzola Babayidi. You know, she's a, she's a, a Ronaldo-type player. She takes players on. She's got terrific dribbling skills. She can finish. She's two-footed. You know, you want to bring out a player that obviously I know was a, a Watford fan in a day, Kelly Smith. Technically, she could have played probably in any men's team. Physically, not. But technically, she could have. So it's about what you want to take out of it. But it's it's a it's also where fans mix. It's it's a bit similar to rugby in that sense where you don't have to segregate the fans. There's never going to be any, you know, any aggravation. It's it's more of a family affair. From the rookery end. The next home game for Watford ladies, as Keith said, is against Durham. Uh, it's on Sunday the 12th of March and kick-off at 12 o'clock at King's Langley FC. It'd be interesting to see how they, they, this, this series, how this spring series goes for them uh, and what we can, uh, where, where Keith can get the girls uh, ready for the, for the full season uh, in, the, in the winter starting in September. Thank you very much for listening to From the Rookie End. Remember, do follow us on Twitter at Watford Podcast, Instagram at Watford Podcast and find us on Facebook.com forward slash Watford Podcast. We'll be back with the next podcast after Southampton home game uh, where we'll see how the Golden Boys do in what is bound to be a mid-table classic. Thank you very much to Kieran Tabham. Uh, do check out Women's Soccer Zone and thank you very much to the brand new Watford ladies manager Keith Bonas for his time. And here we go. Come on, you golden girls. Golden girls.